Welcome to Swimming with the Fish, where we've decided tonight we're going to talk about the American Dream. Uh, as always, this is Crutch, and I have with me uh, my partners in crime. Goon, how are you today? Oh, I'm, I'm just lovely. Uh, you sure about that? Uh, last week's heard you had a screw loose. Uh, so that's the kind of night it's going to be. I see. Yeah, uh, I did. The the healing cap in my uh, uh, dental implant fell out, and I had to go back to the nice uh, oral surgeon lady mm-hmm. who tried three different screws to get it to fit in, and it's still wobbly, and yeah, it, it's not been fun. And, it's a and bit wobbly. <laughs> you guys have been, you know, having a great time all week talking about my screw loose. Absolutely. How are you, Chief? I have been insulted way too many times, and it's only Wednesday. Oh, <laughs> you just wait. <laughs> the um, folks, someday when we get really, really famous and we're doing this like professionally, and and by the way, with your help, that can happen sooner than later. Um, we're going to probably have to record what happens before the show starts, as well as what happens afterwards. Um, but that won't be the G-rated stuff that Apple allows us to put on their website. That's certainly the truth. There's absolutely no way that stuff would ever make it. Apple would just, like, melt into, like, apple cobbler. <clears throat> Ooh, which I, I actually had some apple pie before the show, so I got a mini sugar rush. We're, 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 we're going to have a good show, I promise. I had coffee and a cookie. I don't know what I ate, but I ate a lot of it, because that's what I do. That's pretty much every day, folks, for the chief. Um, as, as I'm pretty sure we've mentioned at least one or twice or maybe a hundred times on this show. Uh, he is, in fact, the land-based version of the perfect eating machine. Well, I sit right next to him at work, and, and I'm just constantly looking over to make sure my elbow's still attached. I don't eat people. So I, I, I spray-painted I spray painted that line around him so you'd stay out of the kill zone. I mean, just, just respect that. <laughs> That's how far the chain goes, right? <laughs> Whoa, wait oh, a minute. Oh, oh, oh. oh. Back, back oh, to slavery oh, hey. with you guys. <laughs> hey, oh. Why, why does the minority always have to be in chains, have, you know, danger signs around them? You know, and that's, so you know, folks, American Dream, that is what this is about. And I got to thinking about this because uh, my grandmother's ill, and I wanted to talk to her about, you know, in the 80-some years of being a southern black woman how has she seen the country change and what was the dream for her compared to what we see nowadays because we had uh, the idea of democracy rights you know came along slowly liberty not really opportunity yes and equality uh, is a moving goalpost because people keep changing the definition of the term so uh, as we were discussing before the show when the goon decided that uh, he, he wanted to just put fuel to the fire, he was making comments about Indian Giver, which apparently uh, was released around 1765 by Thomas Hutchinson, well, which is the actual definition for which an equivalent uh, return is expected. And it got its roots from... Uh, people going out west and natives uh, trading roots and they thought that that would not be 
they they would expect much more in return for the roots because for them roots were not the the Caucasians that were there roots were not important but for natives it was important because you could do you could grow you could make medicine you could do all these types of things and that is the origin of that misunderstanding because it does not have to do with what it uh, is interpreted as today which would be uh, me giving you something and then wanting it back later slash round I'm impressed because you looked all that up in the five minutes between when I hassled you and now. Well done, sir. Bravo, bravo. I'm I'm impressed with his uh, search capabilities. He's like a little human Google. I did teach Google to elders because I believe in giving back so that others can achieve whatever dream they may have. And that is true, folks. I mean, um, we wanted to talk about the American dream because there's a lot going on right now about you know what it is. What does it mean to, to, to achieve the American dream? How that definition has changed over time? I mean, initially it was a national ethos, as, as Chief mentioned. It was a set of ideals, democracy, rights, liberty, opportunity, equality. Um, really, the definition kind of got codified in about 1931 by a gentleman named uh, James Truslow Adams, um, where he basically, he basically said, life should be better and richer and fuller for everyone with opportunity for each according to the ability or achievement, regardless of social class or circumstances of birth. That is, in essence, the ethos of the United States. That is, you know, that is, you come here to do that. Well, in, I should say in the 30s, that's what happened. People would come here to do that. They were going to have a better life, much like <clears throat> my ancestor. Uh, my grandfather came over at the age of 11 with his brother. Um, this would have been about 1902. Um, not such a great things going on in Italy, come over here, didn't know the language, learned the language by um, having people read the newspaper to him. And, um, and uh, he ended up becoming a, a barber, and uh, in fact was a barber until he was um, in his late 80s. I mean, they literally had to drag him out of the store. Uh, people kept saying, hey, Ernie, why don't you retire? Well, you know, this country was nice enough to let me in. I, I feel an obligation to, you know, do my part and as long as I can. Um, that kind of feeling, you know, that kind of feeling has changed. Um, after the 50s, after World War II, it was still kind of a freedom and equality thing, but it was that whole, you know, we've just beaten the fascists, we can do anything, you know, we're, we're top dog now. Uh, actual fascists, for actual those wondering. <laughs> Good point. Actual, real, honest-to-God fascists like Mussolini. Um, I, I was telling the the, uh, the guys earlier, um, one of the people who follows our Twitter account, and our Twitter account is um, SWTF underscore podcast. Uh, you can find us out there on Twitter. And um, ding, one ding. Of people, ding, ding. There you go. One of the people who follows us is an Italian-American, and uh, she was telling her grandparents, who actually lived under Mussolini, you know, that everybody's calling Donald Trump a fascist. And she said her grandparents laughed until they cried and just kind of left it at that. So, yeah, real fascism back there in the you know, late 40s, early 50s. We'd beaten it. We'd beaten the Nazis. We were, we, were, we were the American dream at that point. In the 60s, it was kind of the American dream is, is you know, the eventual disappearance of prejudice and, and the rise of community spirit and, you know, the, all the kids on the hill singing the Coca-Cola theme, you know, 
You guys remember this? I te- like to teach the world to sing. I like to teach the world to sing. Right, thank you, good. Oh, wow. Anyway, in the 70s and the 80s, that thing kind of changed. We, we got buried in advertisements that led to this rise in home ownership and the re- acquisition of material wealth, and that became the definition of the American dream. Um, unfortunately, you know, if you, I'm, I'm sort of a raging capitalist. I, I don't really see any problem with that. Um, but it has led people to, to do things that they really probably shouldn't have done in order to, you know, I'm, I'm not a success unless I own a house. Okay, well, then you, you buy a house you can't afford, and the next thing you know, you're under the mortgage, and it's, you know, being repossessed, and you're being kicked out, and all that other horrible stuff. But that's kind of, that's kind of where the definition went you know what it is um have you got what do you guys think of when what what's your definition goon of the american dream well i I really don't see it as home ownership i mean so i think about my family's coming to america story so on uh on my mom's side uh sometime in the 20s a little bit earlier um my uh, maternal uh, grandfather was a groom to like a bishop in uh, Warsaw or Krakow in Poland and he decided that um, it was a better deal to come here and be a coal miner he could make more money and he could afford his own house and a whole bunch of things would be better if he and his bride came here wow that's a difference from grooming horses to digging coal you know he did it oh guess what the first thing he had to do was when he got here groom a horse learn English ah well there's that you know um, it, they lived in a community with a, a lot of other poles and, and they got a job he got a job in the coal mines up in Pennsylvania uh, and he also did carpentry on the side and he built his own house raised a family of six uh, several of whom built their own houses right across the street and uh, the, you know they continue to uh, uh, to live the dream today but it wasn't about the house it's about the family it's about a better opportunity a a similar story on my father's side uh there uh my uh paternal uh grandma and grandpa came to america and uh, uh grandpa was um uh he was a a, a distiller of spirits in the 20s a what a, a distiller of spirits there's a a shorter a shorter word that uh, accurately describes that isn't there. I I can't imagine what you're talking about. I believe I'll take bootlegger for two hundred, Alex. Well, since it was during the twelve years of prohibition, I suppose you could take that tone. Yes, <laughs> that would be an accurate that's, tone. That's, <laughs> that's awesome. Up, so, up in, so you're up a descendant ca- of ne'er do well felons. Yes. Wow. Yes, but they emigrated here legally before they started their illegal activities. I'm not sure if that makes it better or worse. Um, and and, uh, and grandma, grandma up in uh, up in Connecticut picked tobacco. Really? That was. Uh, yeah, that's. I I thought we talked about this at one point. That's the number one agricultural crop of Connecticut. It's the tobacco that goes on the outside of cigars. Oh, the wrappers. Yeah, I had no idea that that Connecticut would be known for rappers, and they 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 grow it under uh, 
big tents of cheesecloth. I mean, you have acres and acres and acres of these poles with cheesecloth tents strewn over them in the, in the spring. So it's amazing. cheesy wrappers. I, I guess... It, this is getting I, worse. <laughs> oh, my, oh my God, that is awful. I'm, I'm going so, completely fantastic. Thank you. So, so that's I've been and all ag- night. And again, they built a house. Uh, they ended up with about 100 acres of land up there in Connecticut, divided it among their kids. Nice. And uh, most of my family's still there. I'm one of the few uh, ne'er do wells who uh, moved away. Didn't build your house or anything. No, no. Somebody else built it. I just sort of, sort of came in and took over. Oh, <laughs> your people must be used to that. <laughs> uh, well, uh, yes, the hurricanes people have a somewhat different story <laughs> about taking uh, over. Yeah. See, you well, know, it's 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 funny. You should say that. Because it, it, it certainly will be. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, since we're on the the, the dream, as uh, some of my people had called it before, you know, the the hurricane and Conan the Barbarian showed up on our doorstep, <laughs> wanting to crush their enemies, see them you, driven from the land. You you, a, you took the beads. <laughs> you took the beads. Just saying. All right, and and you know the one of the biggest things that uh, both sides of my family had was one we were already here and, and we got <laughs> we got messed up, and then two we didn't want to be here, but this but uh, you know a tribe had sold us and now we're on a boat, and the, so usually the American dream after uh, we'll say eighteen hundred basically mm-hmm. meant. I I just want to be free from this oppression, but you know what? Are, what are you going to do? It's it, they're they're finally it, even to this day. If you go on a reservation, you look and you ask who runs it. It is supposed to be uh, a sovereign nation within a nation. It is not like tribal elders and whatever organizational structure they have. Right, and that is not what it is. It is the Department of Interior uh, as. I know is it really still the Bureau of Indian Affairs? If you look, it is. it still exists, and they still oh. dictate. They say who can have aqueducts, how much power you can have, where uh, things go. You can't have an airport. You cannot... There are so many things that you cannot do. And you tell me, how sovereign is a nation if you have another nation telling you what to do? It's almost like a, you know, a puppet government, we could say like Syria is compared to Iran and Russia or whoever's pulling their strings mm, even they have more leeway than the natives do so once again as I was asking my grandmother just exactly what it meant it, it was basically to see your child survive and thrive because Owning a house wasn't in the picture. I mean, it was it would be nice, but it wasn't going to happen, especially because guess who couldn't own property? You know, owning land, owning a house. Not until a specific war when the states became unified was this right. even an ability. And even after that, in the South, you still had serious, serious problems. You could see many of the... Uh, ridiculously overblown movies like 12 Years a Slave or Free State of Jones to see just how ridiculous things were. 
and I know that they are exaggerations of what actually happened in some cases because there are other cases where that would be quite accurate which unless you uh, are part of a family that uh, believes in oral history uh, none of today's books are going to shed light on that scenario history yeah, is always written by the victors I was just going to say the same thing yeah, well, both Jinx. of my people have not been victorious. <laughs> we, I mean, so... You're kind of over for 2, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we, we fight amongst each other, and then someone else, bigger and stronger, comes and wipes all of us out. In both kind of like they're Kind of like they're Republican. <laughs> what? Wait, what? <laughs> they're fighting amongst themselves. Oh, and then somebody bigger and stronger comes and wipes them all out. Well, well that hasn't ha- that hasn't happened yet, but it will if we keep fighting amongst. I don't know. The president of the United States uh, today, uh, let's see, nine six twenty seventeen, uh, actually just got a major piece of legislation uh, back through Congress using mostly Democrats. So, I, I would say the Republicans may have just gotten smacked. Well, you can't, can you really call what's in office right now a Republican? Yeah, they're on that side. The only thing that's Republican about them is the R next to their name. The, the way that they act, vote, and treat others is it, not... You're, you're absolutely right. Uh, I, I'm reminded of a quote from uh, the, uh, the uh, late and not-so-great uh, George Wallace. This would be George Wallace, the governor of Alabama, not George Wallace, the comedian. Anyway, um, George Wallace uh, of Alabama once said, there is not a dime's worth of difference between Republicans and Democrats. That was 60 years ago, and he's still right. He's dead, but he's still right. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Was that the nice George Wallace or the, or the mean segregationist George Wallace? That was the mean segregationist. You know, segregation now, segregation forever, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Well, Got shot here in Maryland. You know. Right, over there at George Wallace Plaza. Well, I don't think it was called that that, that then. I but. I call it that because <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that that was on my on my twelfth birthday, by the way. <laughs> well, happy birthday to you! Yeah, it looks like you blew the candles out and got your wish. <laughs> I, I wish I could tell you back then that I even knew who George Wallace was. <laughs> Sadly, no. I I I can remember watching TV and some guy in a parking lot getting shot. That was that was the total. Lift. Effect it had on me. I, I, I do remember that. Years. If you were 12, I was 11, yeah. We're old. Chief wasn't even around yet. It's okay. Nope. Not even a thought. That's a, that's <laughs> a shame. But it's okay. We're glad he's here now. So we that's were talking it. about the American dream. How do you get the American dream? Well, well is it, it, it's a moving target. Yeah. Is it, is it college? Does that help you? Is that what's necessary? That's heavy on my mind today. What would the goon child down in uh, uh, Charleston, South Carolina, with a big bullseye right on Charleston from Hurricane Irma? There's a, keeping our fingers crossed that Irma decides to uh, uh, be conservative and head hard right and, that uh, would, and, and avoid the entire East Coast. That would be awesome because uh, they are already under, uh, her school is under a mandatory evacuation order. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, you, you know, I she was headed just, north now. Uh, she'll be headed north after classes end tomorrow. The school officially shuts down at nine p.m. tomorrow, and they all have to be out of their residences by noon. But they're pretty organized; like they have an electronic form they all have to fill out to tell them 
tell the school where they're going to be and they make sure everybody's kept track of and you know they have international students and they make sure that they contact each one of them uh, in person so they can say alright we're going to help you find a place do they also have the little you know uh, um, receptor tag in the ear you know to track them you know with RFI I don't know if they clip a little thing onto their ear or not that uh, I'll, I'll ask if you like awesome well, that's that's the old way because now you insert something in the shoulder. That is how Mexico keeps track of their police when they have been kidnapped. Just wow, so you know. really? At least it's in the shoulder. It could be a lot worse. It, it always could be, could be like, worse. <laughs> we we could just embed it right in the bone, like they did in that movie, The Circle. Uh, yes. <laughs> You're going, scaring me now. Going oh, full transparent, are you? <laughs> I am going to go transparent. Yes. Um, the the. Uh, <laughs> the chief and uh, and ZZ Top, as we've been known to refer to him on this show, uh, are are probably the two people closest to prepper stage that I know, and and um, basically said that I had to watch this movie called The Circle, and uh, and I did, and and now I want to take all of my computing equipment, put it in a big circle, and set it on fire, and learn how to <laughs> eat, and learn how to eat bark. I take it you're recommending I watch that too, uh, Chief? Oh, uh, heck yes. yes. Oh, yes. Okay. Should well, if you... It's on, you, it's if on you HBO and, On Demand. If you and my paisan say I should watch it, I'll do it. If that's all it takes. <laughs> there's uh, some but, other but, stuff I need to do. <laughs> there's a lot of weird stuff they want me to watch, but that, I watch that one. Uh, so, but, but Goon does bring up a good point. So, so you know, uh, the, the Goon child has, in fact, gone the college route. Um... What is it she's studying again? Good. Uh, music therapy. Okay, so music therapy would be a a broad medical, psychiatric, physical kind of. It is. It, it, yeah, it is psychology, but using music to help people get better. That's awesome. That is something you know. If you're going to be doing that kind of thing, that's obviously you know college would be the place to go. Um, but there are alternatives for other professions, especially people who are good with their hands, for example. Um, and, you know, most of that would be the vocational and trade schools. And, um, but there's kind of, you know, this there's a stigma nowadays. I've noticed it, haven't you, Chief? I mean, there seems to be this thing that, you know, everybody wants their kid to go to college. I do notice that. And uh, the very vocal Mike Rowe has stated over and over that people seem to play down or look down upon the blue-collar worker who, in many terms, will come out of his his or her early 20s in a much better position because they have a tangible skill that they can start immediately with and take anywhere. Like, for if you were studying music therapy and you go to Tanzania, there's a good chance that you're going to die starving. Yep, and not a lot of call for it there. <laughs> but if you are a plumber, regardless of where you go, unless, of course, you are in another part of Tanzania where <laughs> running water is... <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's get out of Tanzania. That might not hold your hold water on yeah. your uh, yeah, the, sample. Yeah, that wasn't a good model there. You should <laughs> well, but, but, but there are many more places to be a plumber and, elect, and an electrician than there are to be a music therapist. That's true. Absolutely. And I mean, yeah, the, the plus is a skill like that is easily geographically transferable. Um, yeah. 
my my wife is an occupational therapy assistant who specializes in psych psych rehab. That although that's where occupational therapy started, it's not very big anymore. A lot of occupational therapists do mostly the elderly or physical disability or things of that nature. So if she wanted to change jobs, she might be working with the elderly because she can't do psych anymore. So so you know even even you know college jobs while you can get a more generalized occupation i mean i started out getting a degree in electrical engineering ended up doing more software development i can still take a lot of the engineering know-how and apply that to my job so i've i've learned to be flexible within my own domain um but there's there's only so far you can go and and sometimes you know everybody's going to need a plumber everybody's going to need an electrician and and let's be honest, college is not for everyone. Wouldn't you say that's a true statement? Oh, uh, I, I said uh, it in my own life. So yes, even though yeah. I did go to college, I did not finish. My my brother-in-law. Well, you're uh, in good company, Chief. Is yeah. a forty percent dropout rate. Yeah, my my brother-in-law tried college for a year, and he tried hard, and it just wasn't for him. Uh, and he decided, you know, I really want to be an electrician. <clears throat> So he got a job with the local um, electrician's union, and uh, they helped him get his first license. And uh, after he became a, a, I always forget what this is, journeyman. journeyman. Yeah, uh, I feel like we've told this story before. <laughs> it's okay. Uh, it's just I, minutes. I I feel that way. I feel that way. Uh, half of the stories I tell, but but I digress. <laughs> Basically, he's running his own residential electrician's uh, uh, company now. His wife did go to college, and she's an accountant, so she runs the books for the business, uh, mm. as well as working for a bank as an auditor. And uh, uh, and he's he's running a residential electrician's business. He got a um, his master's license, and uh, you know, while I was going through four years of college and amassing debt, mm-hmm. he was already earning money. And because he did it through the union, he started earning money a lot. I mean, when he was an apprentice, okay, he was carrying supplies for the electrician. Right. Still, you're learning. Absolutely. And that was free. Even better than that, you got paid for learning. Yeah. The studies are shown also that while, while <laughs> in addition to uh, you know accruing a lot less debt, let's you know because let's be honest, you're going to get a lot of debt if you go to college. Um, you get through faster. It's usually about two years versus four for just, you know, the basics of either of those, a college diploma or journeyman or, or apprentice status. Um, and over the 30 years, the difference between trades and a four-year general degree, I'm not talking something highly specialized or where you then go on to get a master's degree or some of the higher-end engineering such, um, turns out to be about $100,000 over 30 years, which is really kind of chump change if you think about it. So, you know, <clears throat> there are people that got PhDs in, we'll, we'll say physics, we'll just say that, and yet <laughs> now now they're doing something that has, like, like you in the beginning, had nothing to do with what they went to school for, mm-hmm. and I went to school for computer science when mm-hmm. I went, and I was learning Pascal and things that I can't even use if I wanted to. And that is why I decided to go certification because I knew I wanted to do something with computers, which was uh, specialized. It wasn't something that you were just going to pick up. But I, uh, I, 
you know, I loved networking, and somehow I got completely out of networking, which is <laughs> still haunting me as I sit and stare <laughs> at my machine every day. But you know, <laughs> one of the one of the things that many people do not understand is that even degree, no degree, just looking for a job. As a business owner, I understand that many people want their business to survive, and in order to do that, they're going to need uh, help in many cases, and they're going to try to find the cheapest labor. One of the things that the libertarian inside me says, uh, thinks is that the minimum wage is the worst thing that you can do to a person. Why? Because if you get the minimum wage, then basically you're being told, I would pay you less, but the government is forcing me to give you this amount, <laughs> which, which means it, it doesn't really show that they care at all about your worth. What right. if you, if everyone had to fight for something, then people would have to raise the rates or they would get somebody, you're going to pay me a dollar, I'm going to sit here and I'll do it when I feel like it and you know, you can go get someone else, but for a dollar, what do you expect? And the, the market would fix itself as it has in the past. But of course, now that we're, everyone is a evil, greedy corporation, which they do exist, and who do they employ uh, the majority of the time? It would be, what is it, unauthorized immigrants. (laughs) That's our new fun term for the day. The good folks at Vox, where where Vox's voice, I don't know whose voice it is, I'm thinking it's a mannequin uh, with a ventriloquist stuffed inside of it. Yeah, it's Um, not my voice. (laughs) Exactly. Well, they they decided they were... uh, going to tell us the history of DACA and all things. I'll include the link and you all can laugh when you read it or you can delete it, which would be the smart thing to do. But they've decided that um, <clears throat> they're, they're, they're concerned with the, with the DACA um, arrangement that's going on right now where the president has decided to let it run for six months and give Congress a chance to, I don't know, do their job, I guess. Um, the fo- good folks at Vox, <laughs> there's never really been a time when a generation of people raised and rooted in the United States has been stripped of official recognition and pushed back into the precarity of unauthorized immigrant life. To what to which I said, what in the seven levels of Hades is an unauthorized immigrant? Um, and when it comes to people being, you know, stripped of official recognition, I think the chief might be able to take a bone of contention <laughs> with their observation. Yeah, see, uh, as many people know, I have family that's overseas, that we have petitioned, talked to senators, congressmen, uh, even the previous president about, and which we we had been already approved to get them over, so they technically have a green card, but that doesn't mean anything if you do not have a visa that goes along with it. So, we have been waiting over a decade to try to get family members over here. Uh, we have been told by multiple lawyers that they cannot advise us how we can get them over, but if they were to appear on their doorstep, then they could make sure that the people got to stay here. Now, since we had the opportunity in 2002 to sneak them across, but you know what? The uh, (laughs) D&D paladin character inside of us prevented us from doing anything of the sort. And that is the question that I have been raising to my congressmen and senators, is why did we obey the law 
if you were going to rec uh, uh, give people that did bad behavior a uh, a present of amnesty or path to legal citizenship, I understand and I have made this point to uh, other friends. It is like you stealing a car from a car dealership. The dealership has insurance for such things, so the dealership is going to claim, uh, is going to put in an insurance claim. The insurance claim is going to raise the rates, uh, but you know that person that stole the car, well, they needed it for whatever reason, so why do they have to give it back? That is my example of, okay, uh, a person comes over and they bring a child. The child didn't do anything, but the child did come illegally, and thus an illegal act was done. They may have been raised here, but you know who they were raised on whose dime? It, the health insurance, because the the parents wouldn't have been able to get legal health insurance, they wouldn't have been able to get a legal job, so something had to be supplementing said person. And mm -hmm. that is my issue, is that why should anyone obey the law if you're going to reward bad behavior? Absolutely. Um, you know, it's, it's funny, as, as, a, uh, as a pasty Caucasian, I, I've been reading a lot about um, my white privilege and how even if I haven't done anything to, to, um, to cause people of color any, any grief, I benefit from the fact that other white people have done it. We see this and, at work and, all the time, by the way. Absolutely, and uh, and and of course, this you know, this is a bad thing that, that I'm getting this benefit, even though I didn't personally do anything wrong. And I started to think to myself, well, isn't that kind of what the dreamers are doing? The dreamers are getting a benefit, although they particular did not do anything wrong. I can't blame a four-year-old kid for following his parents from one location to another. That don't expect them to be a geography student and go, well, mom, dad, you know, we just crossed a, a uh, country's border of another sovereign nation and you probably shouldn't do that. They're four years old. Nobody expects them to do that. But they are now in this country and they are now reaping the benefits of being in this country when there are people who have been trying to get in this country the legitimate way, i.e. chief's extended family, um, and you hear the stories. You hear the stories of, of, of immigrants from South America who have gone through the process, and it takes them nine years to get the paperwork done. And they get here, and then they find out that, you know, some guy from two towns over, well, you know, he left about a week ago. He finally arrived here, and he's, he's working in the store next door. And I'm like, wait, what? How is he getting here? Oh, well, you know, he's, he's here on the, on the down, you know, he, we're not going to, shh, don't say anything because, you know, he's not supposed to be here. And, I would personally take great offense to the fact that I spent a decade of my life trying to get someplace and somebody else just waltz in. It's budding in line. Plain and simple. But Goon knows all about that. Budding in line? <laughs> <laughs> you, you take I, your pick. I mean, <laughs> Look, look I, I agree. I agree with Chief. I, my family came here legally. Um... All right, maybe not the Hurricanes family. They just sort of showed up and told your people to just move over, or else. Um, and and, and, involved. and in defense of my granddad, you know, he didn't start doing that distillation of uh, spirits until after he got here legally. 
So, okay. so, so what you're suggesting is that this country corrupted him. I, I think that once the depression hit, he kind of saw a way to make some extra cash, and he took it. Um, him and half the population of the, you know, the Ozarks and the mountains of West Virginia. So, yeah. Oh, oh, absolutely, absolutely. But I, I want to see people come here, and I want to see them have some skin in the game. Well, you know, a lot of people do. I mean, there are many risks to crossing that border as the people from uh, North Africa find out when they're trying to get to Sicily or Italy and, you know, their boat uh, collapses and many people die and I, you know, there are terrible heartbreaking stories of one man is the only one left and he says, I shouldn't have left at all because what am I here for? My whole family's dead, they're the reason why I left and my big thing, because I have spoken to an unauthorized immigrant uh, before, and we were going over what would be a legitimate thing, because she came when she was two years old on the back of her uncle. She had no idea wow. where she was going. She didn't even know that she was illegal until she uh, tried to go to college, and they asked her for her social security number, and she had no idea what that was. And that is when she learned the truth, but now it is too late. So, uh, in her, as she stated, uh, she came through Mexico, but has no idea where she originated from. Parents are dead, and she has a child here now. So, where are you going to send her back? It's not like she has any papers to say where she actually came from. Uh, she's in her late 20s, and the only thing that she, she uh, now that Doc is here, she's able to get jobs, but before she could only work places that were willing to pay her under the table. She did want to work, she did want to pay taxes, but she it's like you have now trapped a person and created yet another class of slave in the country because at any time they could, you know, if they reported these wages are bad, you're treating me bad, or anything like that, then the person can just threaten immigration, which I don't know if you guys noticed mm. in the first Die Hard movie, that is how the reporter got into John McClane's house, was threatening to call INS on the housekeeper. That's right. I do remember that. <clears throat> I, I almost think that for all of the, uh, I'm sorry, what are we calling them now? Un unauthorized immigrants? Yeah, exactly. Uh, Just for tonight. It's almost like you have to interview everybody and find out their story and then make an individual decision. I mean, in a perfect world, that's what we do, right? Um, it's we, kind of like, We've never well, had a perfect world, so I wouldn't know. No, but I, then I sort of imagine... <laughs> a government agency charged with doing this, okay? And I can imagine how it would be run, and I'm like, okay, we can't do that because I know that wouldn't be doing any of these folks any favors whatsoever. Right. That would be screwed up almost from its inception. <laughs> well, no, almost. It we're would be from the government, up. and we're here to help. <laughs> yeah, you might as well start running screaming from the room. But I don't know what to do. <sighs> It's, it's, it is a tough problem, and and um, I would like to think that the three of us are smart enough to fix it, but we're not. No, we no, see, we're, we see we're, injustices. We we see we see a problem that we don't think it's fair that these 
these folks in general as a group appear to be giving you know given a pass uh, then when we get down to the you know examining at the microscopic level you know an individual like the chief's friend you start to see that you know there's there's humanity behind these stories and the you know these folks who have no idea that trying to get the American dream wasn't supposed to be available to them but for some relative or adult figure who committed an, an illegal act to put them in this position um, it, is, it's, it is something to ponder and uh, I guess this, uh, this evening we're going to leave everyone kind of pondering on that one I uh, hope you all enjoyed the show uh, and we'll see you next week